Anyways, we are back with the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. This is part two of our Oklahoma State uh, Texas recap. Um, I am your still your host, and I am still Thomas Fitch. Um, uh, anyways, so finishing up talking about Breck and Hager, um, and in, these are just three of the guys because everybody um, last week I, or two weeks ago I did my stars of the game, and the whole defense gets that. Uh, Chris Boyd, he still got blown by a couple times, but overall he played very well. P.J. Locke had eight total tackles. Gary Johnson, I feel like a lot of these names um, are starting to pop back up again. Gary Johnson, John Bonney, uh, P.J. For- uh, Puna Ford, who had a, you know, a good game. Malcolm Roach, Anthony Will, Chris Nelson had some big tackles. Everybody was getting involved and... Uh, so that was, that, that's, that's just, you like to see it's, it's Spurs like distribution where everybody's getting tackles, um, a little pop action in there. Uh, one, one slight criticism, defense was very good, but the one slight criticism, and again, this is what happens when you go up against a very good quarterback, but we had one fumble. That was the only turnover. We, we weren't able to pick, uh, off Mason Rudolph and, when when you have a game where your offense is struggling so much, that's that's when the defense needs to step up and create turnovers. And at the end of the game, Brandon Jones uh, he dropped an, an interception um, that would have put us at least at the edge of field goal position where we could have you know had a chance to go in and score and win the game in regulation. So that is that's one place where you know we need a grip. You know you gotta just because you hold a team to ten points. Um, you still got to look at ways to grow, and I think that is one way: is the defense has to pick up the slack for the offense as much as I, you know, you, you don't want to ever say that the defense has to carry the whole team, but there's some games where the defense has to acknowledge that the offense isn't doing much, and we're gonna have to step up. Let's go back to the hot takes. Uh, the first one was that Tim Beck should be fired. And here's the deal. I want him to be fired. I hate his play call. Uh, aside for Kansas State, his play calling has been awful. And um, every game I walk out and I go, he, he needs to be fired. However, <laughs> as much as I say that, I don't think he really should. And the reason why is there's just – and you got to look at, you know, when you have a program who's bringing in so many talented players, you're getting the best coaches – you're a, you know, you're a university that can afford good, just, you know, the players have a good experience. You know, they have top-of-the-notch facilities. Why isn't this team winning? And you've you got to look at ways. And I think one big thing that hurts you is a lack of continuity among your, your head coaches and your position, position coaches, and especially position coaches, because those are the ones who develop your mo, uh, more specific um, schemes. And if you keep bringing in a new offensive coordinator every year, that's, that's more stuff everybody has to learn. Whereas you keep them in there. Now, you know, you bring in a new, new offensive coordinator and some, Sam Ellinger is basically having to go in essentially as a freshman next year to a new system. You know, and it's one thing if you get someone who's really good. And I don't doubt that Tim Beck is a good coordinator. You look what he did at Houston. He did an incredible job there. Um, I think he just needs to try to develop develop Sam as Sam and not try to develop Sam as Greg Ward or as JT Barrett. Uh, and 
I think sometimes coaches need, you know, and uh, there's a good quote. Pop was talking about this, talking a little basketball, um, but talking about Lamarcus, who really struggled since he's uh, come in to the uh, come and join the Spurs. And uh, Pop this offseason said he took the he took the blame and said it's my fault because I tried to make Lamarcus into a different player instead of letting him be his own player. And I think Tim Beck needs to do the same thing. And he needs to let Sam be his own player and quit trying to turn him into Greg Ward. Um, so as much as I want to see him fired, I don't want to see him fired. Um, the other thing is Texas is a lot closer than I think people realize, especially after this loss. Just imagine this for a second. Imagine Texas with a good offensive line. Just just think about that. Imagine Connor Williams isn't injured. Um, uh, no, no, you know, we have no, we have our starting offensive line from, you know, the beginning of the season. Imagine we, we probably beat USC. We probably beat Oklahoma. We probably beat Oklahoma State. And again, you can't live in this what if world. I get that. But just imagine, like, we could be six and one with a crappy offensive line. We could still be six and one. We've had chances to win all these games. Um, and so the pieces are all there. And I think in the past couple of years were strong. We've kind of had pieces kind of spread out. I think the pieces are finally being brought together. And if Herman wants to solidify his role as a good coach, I don't think it's this year, but by next year, he needs to start connecting the pieces and finally building this puzzle into a great university again. <laughs> Make Texas football great again. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, um, it's late, but you know that that is. I think the pieces are finally in place for him to build a great team. It's going to be huge. The team's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be great. Believe me. Um, I really apologize. Uh, the other thing um, before I talk about Michael Dixon for uh, Heisman and president and whatever he wants. Um, Herman also, part of uh, putting the pieces together is locking down Orlando, Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator. Because you look at, at, a, at an offensive coordinator who can hold the number one offense in the nation and the second scoring offense in the nation to 10 points in regulation, his name is automatically out there. You know, Tennessee's looking at them. You know, A&M if they, go, if they fire Kevin Sumlin or any other team. Todd Orlando has to be way up there on the wanted list. So Herman's going to have to do something to lock him down, but that's going to be really tough to do. Let's go to my favorite player on the team. I did start multiple MVP chants. Somebody like tag Michael Dixon in this. That'd be really cool. I like, uh, I always comment on his pictures, a bunch of goats. He's, he's the best punter Texas ever had. I'm just going to say that. Um, he had 11 punts for 560 yards. He had more yards of punting than, uh, oh, please say this math checks out. Um, I'm doing quick math in my head. He had more yards of punting than um, than Rudolph or Ellinger had combined of passing. So just get that into your mind. That also speaks to how bad Texas um, played. But that's an average of about about 50 yards per punt. But you also have to take into account the fact that he was often punting from you know 
midfield where your goal is not to kick it as far as you can. Your goal is to uh, pin him into the 20 and have five punts that were inside of the 20. He had at least three punts that went over 60 yards. And uh, uh, the longest was 66. And he had one punt. I still don't know what happened on this play. Uh, if you watched it, you're probably still confused too. Uh, but he goes to punt, takes the snap, and it sounded like maybe he was in the crowd or maybe the ref accidentally blew. But somewhere a whistle was blown because everybody on the field stopped. And then the refs didn't blow the whistle anymore, so players kind of kept running at him. And then he boots a 63-yarder. Like To put that in perspective, like a 50-yard average or 55, like that's, that's a very good average for the NFL, for these pro kickers. And on a penalty or, or like – a, a, I don't know if I, if I would call it a blown play, but a weird play where you were frozen mid-formation of punting to then, like, kind of cold, just boot a 63-yarder. That's incredible. And uh, NFL scouts, I was told, uh, uh, you know, probably, who were, who were in the press box, were incredibly impressed by him. I'm going to make a really, really bold prediction. If this comes true, this is going to be so, so, so cool. He's going top uh, uh, top five, five rounds. First, uh, he's going to go in the fifth round or better in this NFL draft. That would be really cool to see. Uh, he, he will be the first punter taken if any punter gets taken in this draft. Um, really quickly, because we're running out of time on the second podcast, and I don't want to make a part three, um, let's talk some college football uh, other than Texas, because believe it or not, college football exists outside of Austin, outside of the Texas Longhorns. Um, uh, football for the most part is wrapping up today. Uh, Washington state still plays Colorado, but the games that matter for my top four are over. So here we go. And I'll kind of tell you why I'll give top four and then five and six. So one Alabama easy, not, you know, nobody, you can't uh, dispute that. They, um, beat Tennessee handedly today. Mitch Jones will be gone soon if Tennessee knows what they're doing. But as a Vanderbilt fan, let's keep Mitch Jones around for a little bit longer. Um, number two, Georgia. They were off this week, but uh, they're still looking really impressive. They're undefeated, and I'm really excited for the SEC championship game. I think we might get an undefeated Georgia and undefeated Alabama playing each other. That would be really exciting in the new Georgia Dome. So that would be really fun. Um, number three, coming in at number three, Penn State, who demolished Miss Michigan tonight. A really good win there. Um Penn State's legit, too. And I hate to say that because Penn State stole James Franklin from Vanderbilt and Texas didn't get him. And so I'm just kind of biased. I've always hated them. And I think Saquon Barkley's overrated, but then I watch him and he's absolutely not overrated. He's an incredible athlete. Um, But they're number three. They're still undefeated. Uh, Before I go to four, let me just tell you, the top 20 teams right now, uh, Michigan will be outside of that after this week, are Zero, have no loss, are undefeated, or have one loss. So statistically, they're all at play for the national championship still. And for most of those teams, I think you could make a case of them getting there. Um, anyways, coming in at number four is Clemson. and who was, They were off this week. And I know they lost to Syracuse last week. Um, and I don't even want to make pick comparisons to last year because I think bringing in historical stuff from last year is dumb. But Syracuse almost beat Miami today, uh, who is undefeated, by the way. Almost beat Miami on the road. Whereas Clemson goes uh, on the road to Syracuse last week 
and loses. But this a this Clemson team has a really good defense. But this Syracuse team is not one to be slept on. Like that is a good loss. Syracuse will be ranked by the end of this year. Uh, they're like four and four. No, they're not four and four. Whatever they're, but like they will be ranked by the end of this year. They're a very good team. Um, so my five and six teams who just who just missed out. Um, I'm not on the TCU bandwagon by far, or you know, by any stretch of the imagination. So they're not going to be there. Um, but my number five is, uh, believe it or not, it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame, who dismantled, they absolutely dismantled uh, USC today. Their one loss is to Georgia by one point. A very, very good Georgia by one point. So you got it. I think it would be crazy, absolutely crazy, to not have um, them up there, or at least not believe that they can contend. But I think they're a really good team who is starting. Who are, I think they're developing into a team that could. They have NC State next week. They still have. Now I'm blinking on who they have left. I know they have Stanford left. NC State next week. They have another top twenty-five opponent also to play. So they still have a lot of chances to prove that they belong um, in the college football playoff. Uh, number six, I think, is a tough team. Uh, Miami, they have Miami left. So that'll be a good game to kind of see who belongs in there. Uh, number six, I would put Ohio State. I think they're a hard team to gauge because they lose to they lost to Oklahoma, um, who also still has a chance to make the playoffs. But I think Ohio State is a very veteran team, veteran leadership, good defense. Uh, they have they play Penn State next week. So again, I think a lot of these ambiguities, these questions we have answered, are going to be answered in the next couple weeks. We have a lot of great college football that I'm really excited for coming up. But I would I would have them in my top six for now. And again, that's leaving out an undefeated Wisconsin, undefeated TCU, undefeated Miami, because I don't buy into those programs yet. That doesn't mean I don't think they'll make it. I just, I don't buy into them yet. Uh, I like Ohio State strength of schedule better. I like Notre Dame. Notre Dame has a very strong strength of schedule. Uh, Georgia and Alabama obviously do because they're in the SEC, and that somehow gives you a really good strength of schedule. But like Georgia played Notre Dame. Um, Penn State is going Michigan, and then Ohio State, and then Michigan State, I believe, and back-to-back-to-back weeks. So they're getting tested. Um. And so, yeah, that's, that's my top four, six, whatever. Anyways, we're running out of time, but thank you so much um, for joining me from the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. I'm Thomas Fitch. I'll see you all next week.